0: Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths working in a wide range of mediums on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality, learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah Allah source the universe the great mystery or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Sarah Hunt Ingsberg who's a jewelry artist a painter and a farrier a professional farrier since 1991 Sarah has been serving the needs of horses and equestrians in the sport of three day eventing combined training dressage and endurance for nearly two decades. When her horseshoeing business was curtailed due to back issues, it was a natural progression for her to transfer from blacksmithing to metalsmithing. Sarah's art jewelry is created for independent-minded wearers who wish to express their personalities through jewelry. Her jewelry incorporates traditional metalsmithing with precious gems and semi-precious stones, as well as natural and man-made found objects. Her pieces are one-of-a-kind originals painting is yet another avenue for Sarah to express her joy and creativity. Bright colors, strong contrasts, and a bit of whimsical attitude are the driving forces behind her desire to paint. She incorporates textures and colors to express the movement and energy she feels and sees in the world around her. Sarah, glad, glad to have you in the studio today. Welcome. Thank you, Vanessa. So I love the quote that you have on your website that says, Remember, life is not about the destination. It's about the jewelry. (laughs) <laughs> this is true, yes. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about your, how you've transferred um, your love of jewelry into making jewelry? I started, I have to always start with an
1: education. And my mom liked jewelry, I liked jewelry, and I'm a bit of an engineer at heart. So I tend to see something and then want to deconstruct it in order to figure out how to reconstruct it. And so when I wasn't able to shoe full-time for a while, I began playing with beads and jewelry and the items in my jewelry box and decided at that point to get an education in metalsmithing with silver and precious metals instead of the iron that takes lots of heat and heavy pounding and um, great effort. So it's just a way for me to express and make something that I already
0: loved anyway and put my own stamp on it. So, what are the similarities between metal smithing and the other the other type of things that you do when you're when you're shoeing a horse, the blacksmithing? What are the commonalities, and what makes it so different? I would say it's probably more different as a
1: medium than it is similar. Um, I work when I'm shoeing horses with products that are already made for the horse's feet, and I just modify them. I spend more time as an artist on the horse's foot than I do on the material that goes on it. So with jewelry, I had to learn the basics. I had to learn how heat works with silver as opposed to with steel and how soldering works as opposed to welding. And so I guess now that I'm saying it, it does sound maybe more (laughs) similar than it was, but it's a much smaller item. So it's small sculpture instead of large sculpture.
0: So what kind of heat do you use when you're silversmithing you, or metalsmithing? It sounds like silver it's is what silver you use. It's silver, mostly
1: what I work with, Yeah, Silver and gold work very differently with heat. Um, my teacher told me silver is very generous with heat and gold is very greedy, so you have to work the heat entirely differently. Plus, gold is very expensive, so I haven't right. practiced with that as well. Um, soldering, we use an acetylene torch, and then if you need to, you, to be very spot. Um, and very high heat, you add oxygen to the acetylene and a much smaller um, wand basically that puts the
0: heat right where you want it. So when you get ready to design a piece for for jewelry, what is your process for for doing that? How do you get an idea for a piece and how do you decide what to include or not to Mm. include? Oddly enough, I get pictures
1: in my head of a fully formed item first and I couldn't always tell you where that comes from. I might see something in a magazine or I might be walking on the beach or looking out in my backyard and suddenly this piece of jewelry comes in my head or a painting or whatever it is that I want to put forth. So then I have to figure out how to make this picture that's in my mind come into real life. And that is where the deconstruction and the engineer part of me loves it because then i go hmm you know what are the parts and pieces and how am i going to put this together and how's it actually going to form into something that in real life you could wear and it would be usable and be comfortable and um, not something just so precious that you
0: would have to put it on a shelf and and look at it but not enjoy it every day so when you get these ideas in your head do you have to get them on paper somehow do you have to write them out or sketch them out or Something to be able to capture that? I do. I, I like to write notes
1: to start. So I'll write a description of what I've just seen in my head. And then one of the processes that my um, jewelry teacher showed me was to make um, actual mock-ups with cardboard or paper or construction paper. And start to work it out there as opposed to going straight to the metal. A um, lot less expensive and um, gives me the ability to just work through how's it going to attach and did it really come to life in my head the right way.
0: So when, when you are getting ready to work on a piece, do you have any kind of a process that you use to get into that creative zone or that creative flow or connect with the creativity that you're bringing to it? No, I don't have a, a process. It The idea strikes me
1: and if I can't run to my studio that minute, then I have to put it on paper and start to th- Think about it, so I'll maybe spend more time just going over it in my head over and over again. Um, that's where getting it on paper helps because then I don't have to keep thinking about it, so I don't forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have a place that you have a lot of different ideas on paper? That, that- yes, I keep notebooks, and I have some that are more um, maybe scrapbooks where I'll see things in a magazine and tear them out and paste them, and then I have reams of notes in loosely where I've just written ideas down and, you know, they may come to fruition years from
0: now when I've got more education to make that work or just the time. So how do you decide which, which ideas you're going to pursue? If you've got these notebooks of ideas and are always coming up with new ideas, and I know your time's limited because you've got all these other things going on. How do you decide which ones you're going to go forward with? Two things. The
1: First thing I'll go with is what's already in my studio. So if I have an idea and I know I've already got the stones and the metal and all the parts are there, then I can just go right to work. So I can put my mock up together and start cutting and soldering and you know in an afternoon or maybe two or three days I can have a piece done. Um if it's if I don't have the pieces, then I'll either modify the design to what I have, which creates an entirely different piece, which is great. So I still have the one that I want to do. Sometimes I'll get so far down the road that what inspired me a couple months ago is no longer relevant, and so I just don't create it. Or I'll make an effort, and I will get the parts and pieces that
0: I need to make that piece. So I'll either order it or find it. Or well, and I know a lot of your jewelry has um, that you make it specifically for someone. Mm-hmm. So how does that work when they've got? You've got an idea, and they and they've got an idea do they do they give you anything, or do they do you just they just say, "I want a piece, and you come up with something for them
1: no it's just it's more of a collaboration absolutely when they say they want something um usually it's people I know, and so I can tie their personality into it um i'll ask them what are their hobbies, how do they like to spend their time, what are the vacation, if it's painting. I'll ask for color samples from the house. If it's jewelry you know, for a wife, I've done that before. Then I'll ask the husband to tell me you know, what are the things in the box that they like, what do you see them wearing, what are they inspired by. So I'll know what direction to go in, and then I'll come up with mock-ups or pictures or drawings and go back and forth until we come up with something together. So normally they've actually been part of the creative process they've actually helped in the design and then i'll sort of go off with my own flavor and they're trusting that my flavor is going to be what they want and i'm glad to say that in the years that i've been doing this i've only had one piece get rejected oh, <laughs> and it wow. was just a complete i didn't see their vision and so then did you decide that that piece had to be yours Um, No, I just decided that piece could be somebody's (laughs) Because it was still pretty But it wasn't what they wanted So I just kept it and put
0: it back on the market So you you mentioned your painting I know that you also do painting Um, how, How often are you able to incorporate Either painting or making jewelry In with the business that you have Which is with horses With the horseshoeing and the traveling that you do And the competitions that you do At the moment, my process is sort of work i'll get
1: on a an idea or a tangent and i'll work for a couple hours or a couple of days very intensely and then i'll be tired and or i'll be over it and i'll go on and and do the other things so my farrier work is primary and everything else works around that right now my studio is um only in one place and i can only work when i'm home Um, my hope my plan i should say is to end up with a traveling studio so that when I'm on the road, it won't be a full studio, of course, but it'll be a place where I can go and do minor creations or at least start mock-ups when I'm out on the road and can continue that process more seamlessly as opposed to just these fits and starts of
0: when I'm home and when the pastor doesn't need to be mowed and everything else (laughs) doesn't have to happen. So do you carry your notebooks with you when you travel so that you can collect ideas as you go? I keep
1: keep a notebook. I don't carry them all, um, but I always have something... Around Where I can notate an idea, even if it's just um, speaking it into
0: a cell phone recorder, just so that I don't lose the idea. So how is your art um, an expression of your of your spirituality? How do you find that that helps you express your spirituality? I think what I what the art
1: has let me do is be more open minded about my spirituality. It's let me have it's given me permission to be completely non-dogmatic about how I approach my spirituality or my religion. Um, I was raised traditional Episcopalian, you know, going to church every Sunday. I always participated at church. I was an acolyte, and then I became, um, I'm trying to think what you call it now, but the person who actually gives parts of communion that you're allowed to give <laughs> when you're not actually an ordained priest. So participation was really important to me, but and i i do enjoy the the formality of church but for me the expression it was more natural for me to go out in the woods and ride the horse and just say thank you every day for the nature and how good my life has been to me and that's really more how my artist has become spiritual because i think it's a it's come from within but it comes from somewhere else, too. So it allows me to just create and
0: express myself, but also express whatever it's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> so at what point in your life did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Honestly, only about five or six years ago.
1: I had very two very strong opinions about artists, and neither would probably be considered positive. Um, artists on the one hand were 'er ne'er-do-wells and they never had money and you know they lived badly but boy they made great art and the other idea was these gods or goddesses who had these divine inspirations of things they created and obviously they were really really special because they could come up with these beautiful things that were way beyond my ability. I first started thinking of myself an artist with my horseshoeing when I got out of the idea of it being purely uh, a process of trimming feet and putting shoes on. I began to realize the process of balancing horses became part partly artistic. It was more a vision of what I had, of what the horse's feet should look like, and then how do I get them there based on the you know basics of horseshoeing. And then with the jewelry and everything else, it's just...
0: I don't know. I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) So how did you decide to start painting? Did that start before the jewelry, or was it about the same time? Jewelry was first. Um, Painting is something I've always wanted to do,
1: and started going to classes and that type of thing, and I love it. I don't feel like I have enough of an education in painting to really be a good artist in painting. So whereas with my farrier work and my jewelry work, I've I learned the basics, and I basically learned the rules so that I could learn how to break the rules. Um, and for me, that's a very integral part of creating is becoming an expert in how it's done normally before I feel comfortable going off and doing it a different way.
0: Well, and I know in your bio we mentioned that you like to paint with very bright colors, mm-hmm. and when I looked at your website, that's... What I see is the examples of paintings you have out have very bright colors. How does that reflect um, other parts of your life? I think
1: bright colors are how I see myself, and it's what I'm drawn to. I love beautiful flowers and bright-colored clothes and, of course, big gaudy jewelry. Um, so bright colors are just just who I am, and it's how I think I'm expressed Spiritually, is that sort of brightness? Um, I never really thought about. I guess color is joyous, and bright colors seem happy and inviting. And that's the way I see my life is just an expression of
0: joy. So, when you're working with your jewelry, do you have a? Because I know you you do all different types of. Um, Jewelry, Earrings and bracelets and necklaces and um, some different, some unusual kinds of things like like bracelet cuffs and that kind of thing. Do you have a favorite type of thing that you like to work on when you're working on jewelry? Right now, my favorite thing is there's a ring that I've been
1: making, a style of ring, that is um, fully adjustable to anybody that wears it. My frustration originally in designing rings was they come in one size. And I would have somebody pick up a ring and go, oh, I love the ring. And they'd put it on, and it would either fall off or it would be too small. Or, And their impulse to enjoy that ring was cut off by the fact that it didn't fit them. So by coming up with something that was more adjustable, um, open at one end, then it can fit anybody. And it's comfortable, and it can have stones or not have stones. So that's, I think, right now one of my favorite things. To create, and then I really like anything pierced. And when I say piercing, it's when you actually saw holes in the metal and make a design that way, because that's very um, freeing. You can
0: draw anything on the metal and cut it out and have a design. Well, and I know that um, we had had a conversation previously about the different parts of your brain that you use when you're working with a horse versus when you're working on your art. Can you talk about that a little bit about the um, restrictions or the the guidelines that you have to follow for one versus the other, well, both are
1: and maybe like religion, both have dogma, both are have very specific rules to start um, how the foot is trimmed or how the metal heats, um those type of things so i I learned that first, and then once that's down, then I can go really
0: anywhere I want with it from from that point. So, how has your art affected your spiritual evolution, or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? I think it definitely goes both directions.
1: Um, The art has allowed, I think I said this in a way before, but the art's allowed me to be very free spiritually to appreciate the history of my spirituality with very strict religion and going to church versus where i am now which is much more just spiritual or reading about buddhism or native american spirituality and those types of things and consequently that openness has let me just create whatever hits me in my mind instead of thinking instead of editing my creative process by would somebody a either buy this or is it considered um acceptable from a maybe if you went to a traditional jewelry store. Um, So it's been all right for me. It's allowed it to be okay for me to just pick up a stone on the beach or a a piece of a leaf or whatever it is that I want to put into the jewelry and just make what speaks to me
0: and enjoy it and find that others enjoy it as well. So I know you do a lot of traveling, and part of that is, a function of the work that you do with horses that you travel around and you work with horses in different places. And part of it is that you travel for, for fun. Do you have favorite places that you like to go?
1: Yes. Well, the coast of course is my favorite. I love the beach. And so I'm always inspired by shells or crabs or whatever's out on the beach. Um, I like I guess in the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time just traveling the u s and there are a lot of beautiful places, but I'd say the beach is really my my biggest inspiration
0: and so when you're at the beach, do you consciously make an effort to to capture that inspiration or is it just more of a relax relaxed let it flow type thing? I'm always
1: looking for the message from wherever I am, looking for the inspiration. So yes, it is an active part that I do. Um, if I find a particular shell, I out of you know hundreds that might be on the ground, I think okay, well that one spoke to me for some reason, and so I'll make something out of that. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a conscious process.
0: Well, and I I know that like a lot of artists, you are interested in a lot of different things and you have a lot of different um, ideas that you're pursuing actively all the time. So you've, you know, you're, you've got your horseshoeing business, you've got your jewelry, you've got your painting. You also have developed a barbecue sauce and you have a, a horse poultice for horses to help them recover from injuries. So how do you find that all these different interests feed on one another or do they, or do you find that they, Interla- they overlap at all? I think, well, they overlap in that they're all things
1: that are interesting to me. Um, <laughs> a lot of the, say, the barbecue sauce comes from my background in growing up in North Carolina. Um, horses are just part of who I am, so I sort of can't help that part. <laughs> um, once again, I, I love a process. So I, I had a personal recipe for the poultice. Um, it seemed like something that would be useful for others um it's now in a deconstruction process again because we found in producing it that it um we couldn't preserve it for a length of time without it going without it spoiling so we're back to um back to ground zero on that but that's can be a frustration on the one hand on the other hand um it's hopefully going to make it a better product once it's actually out there um so they're all they're all just expressions of of me and the things i'm interested in but they all also have they all have a or i should say i have a need to be of service and so i feel like in some way all these things will serve others as well as just entertain me
0: well and it's interesting that the things that entertain you and the things that entertain me are you know sometimes a little different things and we bring different perspectives to it and that's really what makes it unique is our perspective that we bring to those things that fascinate us i agree i'm i think they say
1: opposites attract but i'm not even sure it's opposites but anybody who's enthusiastic about what they do and has passion and takes the time to really learn to do something well I admire, and that's something I'm interested in. So even if it's not something I want to do, I love hearing other people talk about what they love if they really do have a passion and an
0: expertise. Well, and in your bio, we mentioned that the re- one of the reasons that you started doing jewelry is you were recovering from a back injury, so you were having to take a break from some of the work that you do with the horses and with the horseshoeing and the blacksmithing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how, when we hit detours and roadblocks, that that can open up different avenues of expression for us? Oh, it certainly does.
1: Um, If we're willing to see those, um, I was sorry that it took something as catastrophic as a back injury to help me see that there were other parts that would open up in my life. But it took basically getting thrown on the ground <laughs> to, <laughs> to take that step back and, and be open-minded instead of so, so focused on just the one thing and so focused on it in such a traditional manner. So I'm grateful, and that's always, I always think, in the past I have thought it was funny when people say, oh, I'm so glad this catastrophic event happened to me, but, you know, X, Y, or Z happened after. So, yes, it's... I think I would like to be more aware of more subtle messages from the
0: universe from <laughs> no, here on. Not have to be thrown out on the floor and hurt right. your back. Mm-hmm. So, did you go through a, a, a time that you were just angry and and resistant about looking at other things, or did would you were you immediately able to say, "Oh, this means that I should do some other things"? I didn't look at it so much as that means I need to
1: do something else. But it, I'm. Perpetual motion. So I was, even though I had to lie there and recuperate, I had to find some other outlet for my mind and my hands and my energy. So it was just the thing that was easy to do. I mean, I ran to the little supply store and got beads and started making silly little pieces of jewelry, which translated into more and more. So I, it helped me discover that passion. But I didn't immediately say, hmm... This could change my life's stream because I never imagined giving up the horseshoeing. I am so determined and tend to be, I knew I was going to get well physically enough to to horseshoe again. I just knew it would have to, it ultimately would have to look
0: different than it did before. So uh, just a curious question about horseshoeing. How long are most people able to do that as a profession? Well, I know some gentlemen who are in their 70s
1: and they are still shoeing horses. Um so longevity is probably is in anything it's about taking care of yourself physically and emotionally. I also know some folks who've either had catastrophic injuries or just physical wear and tear that have stopped them from shoeing in their 40s or 50s. So it's that's probably pretty individual but it's I'm Forty-eight, And I've been doing it 20 years. Um, I'm not doing it at the level I was 10 years ago, of course, which was five, six days a week,
0: six horses a day. But I still do it, and I still love it. So what kind of things do you do to take care of yourself, mentally and physically, to be able to continue to do this work that you love? Physically, um, lots of core work. I go to the gym, I swim,
1: I do Pilates, yoga, all the, you know, buzzwords of today for physical fitness I walk I spend time alone and I just get out in nature and ride my horses or play with the dogs to keep my emotional mind you know the the mental aspect fresh so I'll shoe horses for two or three days in a row and then I'll walk away and, and need to take a break because it's very it is very intense for me not just physically but it is an intense mental effort to integrate what I think is going to be the best shoeing job for that horse to
0: keep him healthy and
1: happy and, and doing the job he needs to do.
0: I I never, of course, you're the first person I've ever known that shooed horses, so, but I've never really thought about, you know, the emotional toll that that could take. You know, you just, you just don't, people that have jobs that you don't, are familiar with, you think. Oh well, that would be fun, <laughs> and so I never really had thought of that. So I appreciate you describing that a little bit.
1: It can be. It can be as simple as line work on putting widgets together, but I think because I feel like I've taken it to another level, it is more of an emotional um, giving of myself that has to be replenished after.
0: So fill, filling the well again. Mm-hmm. So tell our listeners how they can find you and, and get in touch with you and buy your jewelry and see your paintings. And... Um, I'm
1: online at uh, Um I will apologize that my website is a little bit out of date at the moment, but I'm um, currently working on bringing that up to speed. And I have email at sarah.engsberg at mindspring.com.
0: So can you spell Sarah and Ingsberg for people so that they can be sure and find, find the right things? Yes, I can. Sarah is S-A-R-A-H, and Ingsberg is E-N-G-S-B-E-R-G. So it's SarahHuntIngsberg.com. Mm-hmm. Sarah, thank you so much. Is there any last thing that you'd like to leave with our listeners about how they can express their own spirituality in the creativity that they, that they have inside them? I would just encourage anybody who
1: even imagines that they want to create something is to get out of your own way and just do
0: it. Just just create. It's just too much fun not to. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been great having you here on this show. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of artist worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash artist worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.